Yo, welcome back everybody. Uh, today on the podcast we have the legendary Compton Zone, C.T. Fletcher. Uh, C.T. has been a huge inspiration of mine. Uh, when COVID hit, I went on a freakish fitness journey. Um, fitness has always been a part of my life. Um, but, well, I made the decision that I wanted to get big. I wanted to put some weight on and um, listening to CT every morning when I would get up at 5.30 and not want to go to the gym uh, played a huge role in that. Um, aside from CT being a huge inspiration, just, uh, you know, with all of his content and the way that he pushes you to get off your ass and go get some. Um, he also has a really amazing story. He had a full heart transplant. Um, and we get into all that and more. And uh, it's an absolute honor, man. This podcast has been a huge blessing. Um, and I'm glad that you guys listened because for me, it's just a catalyst for me to get to talk to my heroes. So CT is one of those. Um, so I hope you enjoy. Without further ado, here he is, Mr. CT Fletcher. CT Fletcher, welcome to the Sad Song Podcast, man. How you feeling? I am feeling blessed, man. Every day that I open these old ass eyes, it's a blessing, man. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good too, man. I'm shaking some, shaking some shit off. I've been feeling kind of, uh, kind of weird the past few days. Not like, like, like I'm not maybe getting sick, just not feeling a hundred percent. But I've been getting after mm-hmm. it anyway. Um. Well, man, it's uh, it's an honor for me to chat with you. Um. I, I had hit you up months ago um, to tell you I'd put on 40 pounds and that you had played, you had played a huge role in that for me. Um, uh, rock hard muscle. Yes, sir. Yes, right. Yeah. I had, um, you know, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai, so it's just really hard to put on weight because it's always this cardio output. Yeah, a, a gang of cardio. Yeah, I'm yeah. sweating involved, yeah. Yes, sir. But I... um. You know, A, I changed the way I was eating and the way I was lifting, but um, part of that change was I was like, okay, well, I'm going to wake up at 540 every morning so I can hit the gym first thing. And God damn, man, that alarm goes off. Don't want to get out of bed, man, and your voice would hit me. And I swear to God, every morning it would be your voice being like, get the fuck out of bed. And, oh. uh, <laughs> and, off, and off I'd go, but... Here I am, man, from 145 pounds to 185 pounds and uh, best I've ever felt in my life. So, um, yeah, I'm real grateful for you, man. Well, I I highly appreciate it. Now, um, you are lead singer, right? Yes, sir. And uh, just a fucking songbird. (laughs) (laughs) I've been listening. I've been listening my uh, my. Family is pretty musical. I bet you didn't know that. Uh, my brother is uh, one of the top uh, blues uh, guitarists in the, on the planet, man. Kirk Fletcher. Kirk Fletcher's a, a, a bad dude on the, on the blues guitar. And uh, so uh, musical thing. I, I thought you was bringing me on the show so I could have my singing debut. <laughs> it's a, it's a loose show for. man it's a loose show you do what you want <laughs> well look if you want any listeners left you don't want me to sing <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i saw some videos that you posted to your brother man he rips yeah he's easy i'm you know I'm, I'm i'm his number one fan so <laughs> oh, i love that so man how did you um how did you get into lifting you grew up in compton right 
Yes, sir. Uh, Superman from Compton is one of my nicknames. I grew up in Compton. I was born in Arkansas, though. I was born in Little Rock, Arkansas, but we moved to Compton, you know, uh, when I was about two years old. So I, don't, I didn't, uh, you know, know much about growing up in Arkansas. So from Compton, and I had a whole bunch of relatives that spent a lot of time in the penitentiary. And when they would uh, get out, you know, for brief interludes, they would come by the house and uh, and they'd all be all muscled up and yoked. And that impressed me as a kid and I wanted to look like them. So I took it up pretty young. And when did it get, um, when did it get competitive? Uh, okay, uh, I lifted all, you know, from about, 10 years old until I got to uh, 18, 17, 18, I went in the, the army and um, start, I wanted to do what you do, uh, fighting, you know, and uh, jujitsu and taekwondo was my thing back then, fought in tournaments. I thought I wanted to be a, uh, a champion fighter, but then I realized I didn't like getting hit upside my motherfucking head that often. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, you know, maybe I better seek other, uh, another occupation. So uh, I, I went to work for the post office for 28 years. And uh, I decided, you know, I went to the, the Venice Beach out there one day. And I was walking on the beach with my little girlfriend. And I said, you know, I got my fucking second degree black belt. I'm pretty confident, pretty cocky. I was pretty cocky and sure of myself. And some couple of guys walked by, body bills all oil down and shit and it, all the attention went to them motherfuckers and i said you know what maybe i better try this weightlifting stuff again <laughs> it was a pretty it was a pretty natural because you know I, I genetics plays a huge a huge part in the size of people you know we i see it all the time at the gym man of like you know wombles and i i know you know tyler yeah you know, him and i are kind of dudes that that uh you know, they hit the damn gas pedal and said, fuck genetics. Because yeah. we were both, you know, he used to fight at 125. So we're both skinny, skinny dudes by nature. But um, did you get big pretty quick once you started lifting? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a, uh, uh, my, my dad was a pretty big dude. Uh, he was, you know, never lifted weights a day in his life. He hated weightlifting, talked shit about weightlifters, <laughs> including myself. Uh, but he weighed about 225, uh, 6'2", 225, just, you know, and never lifted, I mean, veins and abs and, and never lifted weights a day in his life. Damn. Yeah, that's <laughs> a bunch of hard work. Yeah. So at what point, so your son, Samson, just broke some records. Um, What's wh when did he hop on the weights? Growing up with you as his dad, I'm sure that was just around all the time. Did he hop on it pretty young too? Yeah, he did. He found, you know, uh, um, he followed me to the gym. I used to take him to the gym with me uh, when he was little, little bitty boy. He, you know, he liked to play around, you know, run around the gym. <laughs> and uh, so, but he's been he's been following me for long, but I never asked, you know, any of my kids uh, to pursue what I do. I never. Whatever they want to do is fine with me. But he just uh, took to it like, you know, like a duck in water, man. He, he loved it, and that's what he chose to do. And he, he I think he started really getting pretty serious around 16. 
but he was always playing around, you know, in there with me doing a little bit. I let him do a little bit, grab the, the cables and stuff when he was a little bitty kid. I changed diapers in the gym, changed his diapers in the gym. Man. So, and and the, the, the one thing that you noted when we were talking back and forth on Instagram is that both of y'all competed in a tested, tested competition. Absolutely. 100% drug free. NASA is the uh, organization, Natural Athletic Strength Association, and uh, Natural Athlete Strength Association. And, and he, uh, he competed. I competed there 30 years ago and uh, had my son come along and compete in the same competition 30 years later and break records was, you know, like about the best thing that ever happened to my old ass. That's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty special. Yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting thing when a kid follows in their parents' footsteps, especially when that parent has been real successful at what they did, you know. It's a hard always... thing. It's a real hard thing. You know, I, uh, I made the analogy of, you know, say if uh, Michael Jordan's son, I think he did play basketball, but if they, you know, everybody's going to expect uh, his son to be, you know, like him. They're always going to make the comparison of uh, his dad to him to his dad. So I'm not nowhere near on that level, but uh, they always, people always, and when you choose to go into the same field as your father, your father was pretty good at it, then they're gonna always make that uh, comparison. So you have the weight of just doing it, you know, the weight of competition itself, but then the added weight of being the son of a, uh, you know, former athlete is, it puts a lot of pressure on him. Well, he's holding his own, man. He is a monster. He is a big, yeah, big kid. I'm pretty good. How old is he? He's 25 now. And I, I told people I didn't uh, get my first world record until I was 31. So he's uh, six years ahead of my, my schedule. But people are still, you know, oh, you're not your dad. You're not, yeah, no, he's not me. He's going to surpass me. But just you got to give him time. Give him time. God, that's awesome. So I want to talk about um, your uh, your unorthodox training style. Um, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't work for everybody. Nope. Um, and uh, so, how did you kind of develop that? Because I know um, I know a lot of people. I don't know why, man. I respond well. Maybe it was growing up wrestling, but I respond well uh, to somebody talking shit to me. Cause it makes me be like, all right, well, I'll show you motherfucker. You know, it's like, you know, I, I respond really well to that. Um, so, so how did that, um, how did you kind of develop that where you were like, all right, well, I'm going to just talk shit to these dudes and see if I can push them past their limit and see, and see where it goes. All right. Um, Drew, right? Your, yes, your sir. First, okay. Drew, uh, Drew, I never, uh, intended on being a trainer. Um, I, like I said, I worked at the post office for 28 years when I had my first uh, open heart surgery. I was let go from the post office and uh, didn't, really didn't have uh, any alternative at, for work. The only thing I knew how to do was lift weights. So then I, I went around the gyms and saying, hey, look, man, I'm a former world champion and I can train people. And most of the time I got the door slammed right in my face. And they asked me, did I have some certification or something? And I'm like, no, I don't got none of that shit, but I know how to lift weights. You know? <laughs> and I'm the door on my face and 
finally one gym said, hey, you're, hey, we remember you. You're old school. You're CT5. Yeah, man. Can I? And they, so they gave me a break. And I went in. And I, I had no idea. I was a horrible, Drew, I was a horrible personal trainer. Horrible. Because I you know, didn't have enough patience. You know, most if you want to be a very successful uh, personal trainer, have clients lined up out the door, you got to be, you know, pat people on the back. You got to soothe their egos and, and tell them, oh, it'll be okay. You know, put a Band-Aid on their fucking knee if they scrape it. And I ain't that type of guy, Drew. <laughs> I'm just not <laughs> like that. Look, I would tell them in a minute, take your money back and take your punk ass home because you're wasting my motherfucking time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, when you do shit like that, Drew, you don't have too many clients, man. They don't come back too often. So I had just a handful. And and when did it shift to the um who whose idea was it like, all right, I'm gonna film this dude training people? And it was a guy named Arash Babu from uh Strength Project. Arash Babu from Strength Project come in one day. And he goes, hey, CT, you want to be on YouTube? And I go, what the fuck is that? What is YouTube, man? And he goes, uh, you don't know what YouTube is? I go, I have no idea. And he said, I want to spend me for YouTube. And all I, want, all I wanted to know, Drew, was can I be myself? Can I say whatever I want to say? Can I, because I was filmed many years ago when I was uh, you know, on top and power with them. But they had a whole lot of restrictions as to what I could say and what I couldn't say. And cussing was strictly a no-no. I could not use profanity, so uh, I could not be my authentic self uh, not being, you know, able to use profanity because I've been cussing, you know, for a since to talk practically. So it's, uh, it's uh, just part of my vocabulary. It's part of my, it's, it's natural for me. And if I can't do it, then I'm not, you know, com I can, I can, control myself if, if I would come on if I, if I talked to you before the show and I said hey Drew uh, do I have to watch my language is there, is there you know kids going to be listening and you said yeah we're going to have kids then I then I don't have to do it but it's most natural for me to do it yeah same yeah it's uh yeah it's something I struggle with but it's uh yes yeah same thing in my family this is how we grew up talking so if yeah. I'm not doing it, I, I find it hard to authentically uh, express myself. If I, if, right. if I can't use yeah. those words, they're helpful. Yeah, yeah, for, for me. Yeah, so this, so this guy, Arash, just filmed you training a client and then put it on YouTube and then what happened? And then uh, the guy comes in a couple of days later and says, hey, CT, your video went viral. And I'm like, what the fuck is viral? And he's, <laughs> you got 2 million views. And I'm like, what? Ten, 2 million views for just being myself and cussing people out? And in that video, Drew, I told him, hey, if you don't like what the fuck I'm saying, turn me off, motherfucker. I don't give a damn. <laughs> and who would think that saying something like that, because I, I did not care. I didn't care at all. Because I didn't think, I didn't know any, first of all, I didn't know you could make any money at YouTube. So I'm like, I ain't got nothing to lose anyway. I'm, I'm broke anyway. Fuck it. I just be broke. So, you know, I don't care if you listen to me, or if you don't like what I'm saying, just turn it off. And telling people to turn me off got me turned on, you know, a few million times, man. So it's, I, I guess they, they say hey, you was a breath of fresh air, man. You came in and you come in and tell them about you don't give a fuck and fuck that and wipe them tears from your weeping ass eyes and 
I don't care, fuck your excuses. And I just told, you know, told like it was. And if they, if they liked it, good. If they didn't like it, that's, that's cool too. <laughs> well, man, I can tell you, you know, it, it's a breath of fresh air because we live in a world now that is very, that's it, man. Everybody wants a Band-Aid. Everybody wants an easy fix. Everybody wants a pat on the back. Um, and I still believe that there's a lot of people that, that don't, um, that, uh, that find great pleasure in the hard way. Um, yeah, apparently more than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, like you say, I think, you know, there's a threshold, I think, for training. You know, you get to a place where you're self-sufficient and you can train yourself and you got your program. But it helps when you think that you are burnt and you don't have anything left for me it helps to have somebody yelling at me being like get the fuck out of here you know you got five more yeah you know yeah. and it's funny you know i had wombles out here and i was asking him about his workout that he did with you oh yeah and holy shit man he was like i mean a third of the way into it i thought i was done i was like there's no way i can lift any more weights and then he's like i kept just going and he goes, he said, he said his arms grew an inch after that workout. He said, no oh, shit. Man. He was, he was so pumped. But the, the thing about it, what I like about uh, Tyler so much, he's a good, good kid. But what I really like about him, he came fucking back for more, man. He came back for more. He said, oh, that, that was the hardest shit I ever did. I can't wait to do it again. Now, yeah. That's, that's, that's the kind of cat that, you know, that's, that's what, that's the attitude I need. I can work with that. He's a beast. Yeah, so have you had people reach out to you for you after after all the videos start popping off? Obviously, you kept creating content because you're everywhere now. Um, do you have people reach out to you that say, no, nah, man, I need you. Like, you're you're who I want to train me. Yeah, uh, that's, that's amazing. But you know what, uh, Drew? I am unable to fulfill uh, all of those uh, requests. It's... Uh, a tremendous, the way that I train people is a tremendous strain on me. No you know, shit. kicking their ass, but I'm kicking my own ass at the same time because I'm putting, you know, I'm putting everything I got into it because I want them to give me everything they got. So I have to give them everything that I have. So it's a, it's a, it's a real, it's a strain on me. It's a big time strain. And I think that it may have, uh, you know, speeded up me needing a, a heart transplant at the, the you know at the end there. With my my old heart just gave out on me, man. They did everything they could do for it to try to. You know, I had pacemakers and stents and and uh, every every you know heart valves, everything they could possibly do to try to save my old heart. They did it, and uh, the the fact that I was traveling all over the world, yelling and screaming at people. And, training with guys half my age and trying to get out there and work out with them and it, it, it put a you know played a toll on me so I, I think it speeded it up so yeah let's talk about that because i don't think many of our listeners know uh know your story so you had open heart surgery when you were still working for the postal service yes they let you go yep. and then years later you find out you need a whole new heart altogether yeah, uh, in 2005, I had an open heart surgery for the first time. They replaced my aortic valve, uh, which went out on me. You know, I, I uh, the only way I knew that I, I 
you know, couldn't breathe, man. I felt like a fish out of water and uh, was too much blood was filling up in the vessel. And I was, it's just, it's horrible not being able to breathe. So I was rushed in uh, to emergency open heart surgery. During that surgery in 2005, I flatlined three times. And, uh, you know, I'm still here, man. I came out of that and some fast forward to 2018. So I went 13 years uh, in between operations. It took 13 years later, um, the heart finally gave out and I had to have a complete heart transplant. So I had to have a heart transplant in 2018. And that was from a young lady. I have a woman's heart. Man, it didn't soften you too much though, did it? Uh, maybe so, maybe so. It's it changed a lot of things, but I'm still talking a lot of shit. Yeah, man. So, so what's it like recovery-wise from that? Of being somebody who draws everything from the gym, you know. I just even when we're touring and shit like that. If I if we get back to the hotel at three a.m. and have to wake up at six. I still have to hit the weight room or I'm a fucking pop off on somebody the next day. I, I must, I must work out. Um, so for you, your whole life was around the gym. So how do you deal with, fuck man, I can't even get out of this bed, you know, <laughs> let alone go lift some weights. Can't get out of bed, can't stand up on your own, can't dress yourself. I, I, you know, I, I went from, uh, a 100 to zero real fast, brother. And then you, you find out, uh, you know, I, I was like, I call uh, an iron addict. I consider myself an iron addict. And I, and I said that terminology because I made the comparison with a drug addict. You know, you, as you may know, uh, when you're addicted to drugs, it's, you can't help it, man. Yep. You can't help it. It's something that you can't, you, you you do a whole lot of shit that you said you wouldn't do uh, just to get another fix. So that's the way I was about iron. Just like you said, every fucking day I was not going to miss a day. Hey, where's CT in the gym? It's his birthday. Where's he at? In the gym. It's Christmas. Where's he at? In the gym. It's New Year's. We're in the gym. In the fucking gym. That's where I was going to be first. If you Anybody who knew me knew that that's where I was going to be first. And to have all of that, Drew, snatched away in the blink of a fucking eye, man. Just snatched, I mean, all those years, you know, uh, 58 years of training, 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 loving iron, and to be snatched away and just, you know, in a heartbeat, have a massive heart attack and not be able to, to stand up on your two feet, not be able to do one push-up, not, you know, it, it's, it, it's a life altering thing <laughs> and that's when you really really find out what you're made of Drew. what you i mean are you is are you just weightlifting are you just a weightlifter are you just a physical person a physical or, or is there more to you than that or is there more substance to drew than just that man is that that's when you you know if your faith comes in so handy man because we ain't got nothing left but faith man you're gonna you're gonna you stand on that or you, if you don't stand on that man you ain't got shit to stand on you're gonna fall so all i had left was my faith Drew. so i had to hold on to it real tight yeah well you look good you're moving around now <laughs> yeah i'm moving a little bit i ain't too fast yeah. but i'm moving <laughs> 
So can you lift now or not? Yeah, I lift. I lift. Uh, but the, the ways that I lift, uh, you know, I'm embarrassed uh, for anybody to see me work out. Shit. I mean, after uh, after a heart transplant, I think the fact that you're that you're working out, I think, man, that's the thing that's special about you, I think, to me anyway, is that this this mentality that you used to train other people and train yourself that mental fortitude that said no fuck excuses this is where i'm at this is what we're doing and f first off to even have a have open heart surgery and then to be like all right cool and we back and you just get right get right back at it um i think for a lot of people that first surgery would have been like okay well i better i better start pumping the brakes and take her easy um and you didn't. That's when you made some of your most of your uh, your badass content was in that thirteen year period. Yeah. And then you have that heart replacement. Um, and again, I think any normal person would have taken that and been like, "Okay, cool, man. I'm gonna I'll be over here on the stationary bike, you know, <laughs> or <laughs> or in the lazy boy, you know. I better just I better just call it chill." Um, so I think that says a lot about your personality that, uh, that you're out there um, still lifting anything, shit. And, and now has your focus turned more to, uh, to your kid? Oh, uh, my focus, you know, my uh, biggest accomplishment uh, period, I, I, and hands down is being a dad. So to all, to all seven of my kids, but my focus as far as physical, uh, yes, it's a whole, whole lot on my son, Samson, you know, because it's, uh, I, I, you know, I can't do what I used to do, but I love seeing him uh, come along and continue the, the legacy, the strength legacy. That's, man, that, that makes me happier than any championship that I ever won, for sure. Watching him do it is, I was so happy, man, when I seen that kid, uh, break those records that I, you know, if, if I, if I was able to physically leap, <laughs> I could slam dunk in the basketball, man. I was so fucking happy. Oh man, that's so cool. So what, um, so what's your diet like now post, uh, post-surgery? I'm sure it had to switch up quite a bit. Uh, tremendously, you know, like before I was the four Big Macs, uh, four fries, two uh, strawberry shakes I, that was my uh lunch for 20 years you know so that was that was a, just lunch i see guys saying let's take your ct for your challenge i'm like challenge shit that was my lunch, <laughs> my lunch is, is a challenge so you know, i just ate that for lunch you know and now uh for the last uh, year and a half i've been uh, strictly vegan but my uh, doctors have recently told me they want me to increase my protein intake. So I think I'm going to uh, add fish back into my diet and um, be pescatarian, I think it is. I, I used to say Presbyterian, but I don't think that's <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, oh, shit. Wow. Yeah, it's so crazy hearing all you old school guys. So many of those lifters, especially in L.A., all those dudes just being eating <coughs> burgers and all that shit and still just having six packs. Well, <laughs> I, 
I didn't. I wasn't one of them, Drew. <laughs> no, you were big. Six pack off, man. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> have a six pack. It was, I had a one pack or a keg. <laughs> it was gone. <clears throat> but I didn't care. My whole objective was being big and strong, crack sidewalks and bust sleeves. So six pack didn't matter. <clears throat> <laughs> That's such a great way to put that: crack sidewalks and rip sleeves. Um. So what is your take on, um, I want to get your takes on, on a few different things, just as, as a fitness guy myself. So we hear a lot about overtraining. Um, <laughs> and I know you think that's bullshit. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of people that say, if you're overworking muscle groups, that you can do too much damage and then the muscles won't grow. But I mean, I look at you and and that whole Iron Addicts crew, and I'm, well, <laughs> I mean, the the proof's kind of in the pudding there. So, what's your take on? I mean, and not just that, but just some of the shit that we see in the in the fitness world that that's told to people, um, that that didn't really apply to you guys. So, well, yeah, let's start with the overtraining one. What's your take on that? Well, uh, okay, I know that. <clears throat> Overtraining is uh, a real phenomenon. People think, you know, that I'm just ignorant and stupid and don't believe that it's, uh, it's possible. And I know that, you know, some other sports, uh, overtraining or, you know, they can, like, say, like the, the guys who do Ironman or something like that, you know, cross, cross. But I have uh, yet to see a guy go in the gym and do too many curls and they just, you know, uh, or too many squats or too many death and just really overdid it. Um, Cause I mean, I worked out, uh, I don't think, you know, I would work eight, 12 hours a day at work and I go to gym and put in another four hours to be on the gym. And I did that seven days a week, man. I have never seen a guy, uh, you know, overtrained by just lifting weights. Now I have seen, guys that get super tired or super burned out by doing things outside the gym and then coming to the gym and work out and blame it on what they did in the gym. Yeah. Oh man, I stayed out too late last night. I partied till four in the morning. Then I went to the gym and I was burned out. I didn't have shit or, or I did eat right. I, I'm, you know, I'm eating whatever I'm eating fucked up or I did eat and I went to the gym and I, Oh, I'm, I'm burnt. I'm overtrained. I'm overtrained. It's usually a case of what they did outside the gym combined with what they did inside the gym. But it's when I say overtrained, I mean, you went into the gym and you did too many lifts. I just lifted. I just bent too many times. And I know I, you know, I have, I have 200 reps, uh, you know, workouts on just the bench alone, and that's not the whole chest. I had Tyler uh, doing what I call the marathon. That's 220 reps on just the bench, and then we go to something else. And, I, you know, I killed that kid, and I guarantee you, he won't say he overtrained. He'll tell you it was the best workout he ever had. It's, it's uh, what you do inside the gym is I don't think you can overtrain. I don't think you do. It's like a gymnast. They do the same fucking thing over and over again for hours a day and they become you know perfectionists at it but they're not over nobody accuse them of overtraining they're doing what they must do in order to be the best in the world i just don't think inside the gym is where you overtrain 
is outside the gym, what you do outside is what causes that syndrome. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, because shit, that martial arms workout that you did with Wombles, that was 1,000 reps. Yeah, yeah, we did. And I mean, and he loves it. I mean, I, I've had a lot of uh, top, I had, uh, you know, a lot of top UFC guys come through, uh, not just top, I had a lot of pro wrestlers come through. And they love this shit out of it, man. I, I kick their ass. They they come to get their ass kicked. You know, yeah. I've been I've been working out for 20 years, CT, and you know, it's nothing you could do to me that uh I've never oh, I love shit like that. <laughs> you really? said challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, let's see, you know, I love it. So when you get a, a couple guys that have that same mentality, like like yourself. Uh, you know, they like to they like to be pushed, they like to be challenged, and then you got me who love to challenge motherfuckers and love to push them, and we got a good combination, and it's gonna great things will happen. Yeah, well, I think, like I said, man, um, yeah, Tyler to this day is like, man, I've never, my arms have never felt like that, and he's like, for, you know, the next day I was looking at my shit like, oh damn, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because I always just wonder that, man, I can stay, you know, I got to condense my workouts into about 90 minutes because I got to get back and get get the kids up and get them moving. But damn, man, I could stay in that shit all day. You know, I don't really get tired because I've been, I'm at four, four or five years of, of, yeah, I mean, I hit it six days. Rest days are tough for me. I'm like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do? You know? Um, yeah. And, and I feel that same way, man. I could stay there all day, but that, you just hear all this shit. It's like, well, if you overtrain the muscle, it won't grow. I'm like, I don't know, man. There's some pretty big ass dudes out there that would beg to differ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's it's uh, you know, it's it's there's going to be different schools and different opinions, but you know, I just share mine and let them share theirs, and I'm not going to tell them they're full of shit, uh, even though they'll tell me I'm full of shit. But I won't tell them they're full of shit. I say, well, you know, that's. That's your opinion, and I, I think that you're looking at uh, the training. Training itself is different than the whole combination of outside influences. You know, that, then then I think you can reach a state where you know you're doing something wrong. But it's not just you didn't just do that in the gym. Man. You didn't just get to that state from being in the gym training. That that didn't happen. So that's why you know that's my opinion. I like it. So you, like we were saying, you and your son both compete in tested organizations. <clears throat> What's your take on PEDs? I mean, shit, you're lifting weights in Cali in the golden era. Um, oh, hell yeah. <clears throat> so, what, well, yeah, what's your take on steroids? Okay, well, see, this is, uh, this is the thing. This is why I say my son is so much better than I am, Drew, because in 1980, you know, I thought I wanted to be Mr. America or Mr. Universe. <clears throat> and I got in a few local contests and did pretty well. And the guys uh, would come, come, guy come up to me, a contest promoter after the contest, said, hey, CT, yeah, um, how would you like to make a living doing this shit? And I'm like, fuck, I would love nothing better than to make a living lifting weights because I love this shit and I do it for free. But if I can get paid to do it, then that's one. It's oh, well, shit, you know what you got to do. And I said, no, what the fuck, what the fuck I gotta do? Because you gotta take steroids. And I'm going, what the fuck? What is that? I had no idea even what it was. He goes, Well, Arnold, Frankel, uh, Lou, all these big guys in the magazines, they take steroids. 
And way back then, it was not illegal. It was not against the law. You could go right to Kaiser Pharmacy. Kaiser was my uh, health insurance. Tell them I wanted some uh, DECA and get some DECA. And, and so I said, fuck, I, I want to fucking um, be on the cover of magazines and shit, man. It's just not illegal. So I went and got my got me some deck and I tried to sit out. Well, but I always, always felt guilty. This was a short period of time. I had a, a young son and I didn't want my son to know any fucking thing about it. Too. I felt for some reason I just fucking felt guilty about this shit. So it's lasted for about six months and I'm like, yeah, fuck it, ain't worth it. I just felt bad because I didn't want my son, you know, to you, you, anything you gotta sneak around and do. And it makes you feel bad about it. You can't look at yourself in the mirror. You don't need to be doing that shit. You just don't need to. I was strong from birth. My dad was strong. I was strong. I didn't need this shit to be strong. So I said, look, I'm not going to be Mr. America. I'm not going to be Mr. You know, I'm not going to make it. I have to settle for Mr. Inglewood, a little big city. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to, but I am strong. So I don't need this shit to be strong. So I'm just going to. Fuck it, don't do it, and stop being feeling ashamed of myself. And but so so I like I said, I give my son a lot more credit because he never succumbed to that pressure. He never, 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 ever did anything but me for six months. I gave it a shot because I just I, I listened. I listened to them guys. Ooh, fuck! I I want to be on the cover of the magazine. I want to be this. So I I, I admit it, and people are like, ooh, ooh, you got busted, and they they swear up and down, Drew. That something I did in 1980 still fucking lasted. Nah, <laughs> that ain't how it works. <laughs> oh no, you fucking you, no, no, that's it. You, you blew it. 1980, you blew it, man. That's it. You're still on the set. It's still affecting you. To, I said, I don't know any fucking <laughs> that lasts that fucking long. But okay, motherfucker. So they they give me a bet, but I look. They like you bust busted, motherfucker. I'm the one. You're telling them. Yeah, you, you, you motherfuckers wouldn't know. You don't got my medical history. You haven't seen my medical trip. I'm the one volunteering this information. I'm telling you. Uh, if I didn't tell you, you fucking wouldn't know shit. But, but that's the way it is. But I give my, like I said, I give my son uh, all the credit in the world because he was, he never fell. He never succumbed to that uh, temptation, not even for a second. And that's, well, that's strong. That's real power. Yeah, and he's strong as shit without it, yeah. you know? I mean, yeah. yeah, that's what that's what's tough. You know, I, at the place that we're at now with performance-enhancing drugs, I think there's a lot more science on how to do it safe, and which I think is great. I just wish more people in the fitness industry would be real because there's a lot of people out there that show these... Uh these transformations that are like, yeah, man, you just got to get your diet and then you'll eat like this and then you'll look like me. And it's like, motherfucker. <laughs> I, I mean, it, and it's, it's fucking obvious too, man. When you got fucking veins where veins ain't supposed to be, I mean, yeah. you know, if you, curl, if you do enough curls, you're going to have a vein in your bicep. You yeah. have some veins in the bicep or, if, you know, but when you got veins running in places like, you know, all across your thighs and crack your ass and shit, got <laughs> You know, something's a little suspect. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, and it's just, um, yeah, I wish it wasn't such a taboo because it's like that's, um, you know, when I was a kid, my dad, my dad ran a gym for a little bit. And I remember being in there and I remember just seeing pictures of bodybuilders and being like, holy shit, man, that's what that's what you can look like. 
And then, yeah, it wasn't until you get a little older and you're like, nah, man, <laughs> most, most motherfuckers ain't getting up to 300 pounds with 1% no. body fat. You know, no, was- no, no, no. <laughs> I don't anybody you, you fucking, you know, you can be, it's some, it's naturally uh, genetic freaks. There's always been exceptions to the rule. It's motherfuckers that look like, you know, that they, they are doing something that are not. And some people, uh, a lot of people use this scale to determine whether other people are on drugs or not. They use this scale to say, well, I can't do that. And that's the wrong fucking scale, Drew. Yep. You cannot uh, place your physical limitations upon someone else. You look at them and go, oh, I, I could never do that. Okay, motherfucker, you can't do it, but you are not that person. That person may be one of those people who is genetically gifted, whose dad was a mule, and they're a fucking mule too. So, I mean, you know, that you can't, you know, unless you come from a, a, you know, a genetic pool like that where your family history is fucking jacked as fuck, then, you know, you can't compare yourself to somebody who comes from that kind of lineage. It's just, it yeah, work. Yeah, like you're saying, man, there's just people that are built different. There's a kid that I train with that's fucking five foot five, 160, and he benches over 300 pounds yeah. with, with ease. You know, yep. it just doesn't make sense. I'm like, dude, I got 20 pounds on you and I'm not getting yeah. anywhere near that mark. Yeah. You know, and he just, <laughs> like, it's not shit, you know? Exactly. And I mean, it, it, and it's not anything new, Drew. I mean, all through history, there's been guys like that. I think all the way back to uh, Jim Thorpe, the, the great, uh, you know, Indian uh, athlete, won Olympics and higher, then all these fucking things. And he, he wasn't on no steroids. He was just far superior to the other athletes of his day. There's always, you know, somebody like that. Yeah, people just built different. Yep. Just built different. Well, I got a few more questions for you, man, and then I'll cut you loose. Um, so as someone that influences a shitload of people out in the world, who are your biggest influences? Uh, Muhammad Ali was definitely one. Uh, so much that, you know, I added Ali uh, to my name. I legally changed my name, my middle name to Ali because of him and the way that influence that he had on me uh, as a kid growing up in Compton, you know, to see that guy uh, in the 60s to stand up and say, you know, I'm not going. He didn't, the people say he was a draft dodger, but he didn't dodge a motherfucking thing. He's just straight out said, I ain't going, I ain't running off to you know, another country and I, I'm staying right flat foot, look you in the eyeballs and tell you, I'm not going. It's just that fucking simple. So he was definitely not dodging for him to do that. And for me to see that as a young kid, uh, being unafraid, you know, damn the consequences. I'm going to do this because it's a matter of principle. It's a matter of my belief. And I'm just going to stand up on this shit and I don't give a fuck that the whole United States government says we're going to you know come down on you i don't give a damn i'm still i don't i'm going to stand on my own two feet and make this decision so that was huge for me yeah he's uh he's a big hero of mine too i just a you know his athletic prowess is through the roof but to me that very thing is the most admirable thing in the world to be on the top of the world take the suspension risk prison solely yep. on principle of like, nah, exactly. man, if, if, if I have any enemy, it ain't these people I've never met. It's yep. the people right here that are fucking with me every day. 
Um, what's your, uh, what was your, this is probably a, a question that'll, that'll depend on the, on the era, but what, what's your shit to listen to when you're lifting? Uh, no, it's, it don't depend on the air. <laughs> I'm old school, old school all the way, man. And you're you're a combination. They tell me of uh, reggae, soul, and and hip hop. That's that's you. And I'm I'm old school soul uh, to my core, man. So it's gonna be probably James Brown or, or something like that when I'm uh, something a little pep, little pep in it. Um, that's that's my thing man i'm old school so i'm gonna be listening to probably some james brown yeah i like that i like seeing uh some of these fighters now walking out to cool shit like that rashad evans walked out to love and happiness I yeah that was so badass yeah i'm digging it hey yeah. you know I, I gotta tell you drew i i know you know that there's fights on today yep so i said hey let's let's get on a little bit early let, let me talk to my boy drew early so we can not make sure we don't miss these prelims and stuff, man. Yeah, man, I'm excited. It's it's fucking crazy out there right now, man. It is crazy, and I have, I have so many friends that are just got into the UFC, that are like, oh. ju- and I just am like, fuck, man, what a scary time to be in this sport. I mean, just every goddamn division, the top fifteen, yep. you're just like, you couldn't fucking pay me all the money in the world to fight one of these guys. What, what do you think about John Jones' heavyweight? Man, I just saw some footage of him yesterday moving around. He, he looks good. He looks good, man. And just, he's fucking huge, man. Yeah. Like, and strong. He is, uh, people don't underestimate his strength. John Jones is strong, man. He's been training with power lifters, and I seen Kathy deadlifted over 600 pounds, and it's a whole lot of guys in the gym who's, thing is powerlifting. That's the thing that can't deadlift 600 pounds. And he, you know, he's a fighter. And he comes in and deadlifts. That he's, he's deceptively strong. People are going to love. That dude is strong. He's going to be trouble. He's going to be trouble. I think so, too, man. It's funny, too. I've been telling everyone, well, you know, who you think wins, him or Izzy. I'm like, man, a cheetah is a dangerous cat. But against a full-grown lion, that is not a fair fight. You know, oh, I you know, I want is I love both of them, man. But I want I want is I don't want I don't think I want to see that one, man. No, yeah, that that's I a think, bit different horsepower. Yeah, anybody uh anybody close to Izzy's size, I think he'll give him problems. But uh, John Jones at heavyweight, I just think he might be a little. And I love Izzy to death, man. I love them both, but. Uh, John Jones is a bad dude. <laughs> yeah, man. And, you know, I think all the time, too, there's something to be said about having no concept of what it's like to lose. You know yeah. what I mean? He's not like, oh, shit, man, if I lose this, it might be it. Or he just doesn't even know what that's like. So I think when you get 20 fights deep and have never taken a loss, you're like, you're a different creature. You're just like, yeah, yeah this isn't even on the table for me. I don't think about it when I'm training. I don't think about that shit. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, he's he's a bad bad man, bro. How about yeah. Derek Lewis last week? Oh my God, the Black Beast is no man. <laughs> now he he's got uh you know he's got a chance against anybody. He's proven that he's got the power to put anybody out, man. <laughs> I seen him. I seen an interview with him the, the today I think, and he was like, I you know these guys fucking uh, all American. Also, I don't give a shit about none of that shit. As long as I come in and shape, as long as he got a little gas in his tank, 
He's I can I can fight anybody. He, he's he's proving that shit. Black beasts are scary, man. Man, I was on a streak. I had a, I have a buddy that that bets on all the fights, and he's like, "All right, man, I'm gonna start letting you pick my parlays." Because I had four events in a row where I picked five for five on the main cards. Ooh, damn. Well, Derek fucked me up in that first oh, round. Yeah. yeah, and in that first <laughs> round, I was like, I told you guys, you know, it's 27 to three significant yeah, strikes. Bro. I was like, I told you guys, you know, he's going to pick them apart. Yeah. And he's just chilling, man. He's like, yeah, hit me with whatever. Wow. You know, he needs yeah. that one. And he all fucking he took needed. the life out of him, man. Yeah, that's all he needed was that one. Good night, Irene. Let's go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a different animal, man. I just, uh, yeah, what an exciting time for fights. Yeah, I'm glad we could get on early, too. I was telling my wife that. I was like, he said 20 minutes, so I could, I'm going to go bust this out. <laughs> I'll be right back. We'll get this going. Um, so final question, man. What's next for you? Uh, what's next for me? I got a comic book coming out, man. No I, shit. I, yeah, I got a comic book, and it's uh, partially based on my true life story. The lead character is named Solomon. And uh, he, some, he, he died a few times. <laughs> so that's, that's uh, you know, it's, that's the big exciting stuff for me and the new stuff that's coming out. I love it, man. Well, I appreciate you taking time, man. Like I said, um, it's, a, yeah, it's, a, it's a huge deal to me that you said yes, man. You've been a huge influence on my life. And in the past year, um, like I said, man, your your voice just fucking lives in my head when I don't want to go do shit. And and in an era of uh, pats on the backs and band-aids, I think it's uh, it's really refreshing to have a voice of reason that says, nah, man, there's nothing to it but to fucking do it and go do it. Um, so you've, uh, yeah, I, I give a lot of the credit. I went and did the work, but but you were a huge motivating factor in me getting getting off my ass and doing the work every morning. So I'm really grateful for you, man, and I appreciate you. Well, uh, I'm grateful that you had me on. You know, when uh, people uh, say things similar or something like that, man, uh, Drew, I consider myself the lowest of the low. Uh, absolutely nothing, man. I'm just uh, blessed. I'm just blessed to still be here, blessed to be on your show, blessed to get to talk to you. Man, I'm, I'm nothing, dude. Like you said, you did the work. I'm just an old, loudmouth old man. It's just happy to be here. Well, God bless you, man. And keep 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 being a loudmouth. You're, uh, you're helping a lot of people. Okay, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on, dude. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, next podcast guest will be the holistic psychologist, Dr. Nicole Lapira. Um, she just came out with a uh, brand new book, How to Do the Work. Um, I haven't got to read it yet because it's it's heading my way. So I'll crack that when I get it. Um, but um, pretty, pretty badass lady. Um, uh, check her out on Instagram if you want to learn more about her. Um, so that will be the next podcast episode. Um, what else is going on in my world? We just dropped the new single with Trevor Hall, so get on whatever streaming services you use and add that shit to your playlist and, and, and bump it. And um, yeah, man, that's 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 all I got, you guys. I'm super, super excited um, about life right now. Just had a super ridiculous trip uh, to Texas. 
and uh, feeling really filled up and excited and motivated to uh, to keep the ball rolling. Um, but I love y'all as always. Be good to one another. Talk to people different than you. And drink some goddamn water. All right, I love y'all. Peace.